Well, I assume that that long note is for me to start. Thank you, Ken. That's great. Um, well, you're very welcome, folks, to church. Thanks for coming out on such a... Uh, well, we have a word in, in Ballycastle called a drich day. Have you ever heard the word drich? That's an Ulster Scots word, I think. Yeah, so it's a... Or a soft day. We used to say it's a soft day out there as well. I'm going to start with these announcements. So just to say that you are very welcome. Uh, we meet again on Tuesday, Christmas Day. Uh, well, we'll be looking at another song from Luke, uh, the angel song this time. Uh, now, you need to know that that service starts at 10 o'clock, okay? So if you come at 11, you will be in the Korean service at 11 o'clock, okay? So you need to come at 10, and we will be finished at a quarter to 11 to allow the Korean church to get going. And you're very welcome. Then Andrew Whiteside will take us uh, on Sunday the 30th, um, and he will be looking at Simeon's song. And if you can make that, that would be great. Uh, prayer ministry at the front, as usual. Um, and uh, there's no Sunday special or K2 today. There are some bags here if the folks want to, uh, if the children want to get those bags and uh, uh, work away as we go through the service. Though we're just going to do it as a kind of carol service this morning, as you'll see from your order service. Our Christmas offering um, today and also uh, over the next, uh, every time we meet, I suppose, until January, is for the um, World Development Appeal of the Presbyterian Church. And that year, we're, this year, we're looking at supporting uh, folks in Brazil uh, who look after uh, people, particularly ladies, uh, who have suffered violence because of their gender. And uh, we're supporting a house called Casa Noeli dos Santos, um, as you'll see in your notes there. A big thanks uh, to the folks who uh, did carol singing uh, in uh, Stevens Green Shopping Centre. You'll see there that we raised 265 euros uh, for Tear Fund. Uh, great to see Allegra and Mark and Karen, I suppose, as well, doing uh, the collecting. And thank you for that and for all that turned up as well to sing. And you'll see that we uh, raised 90 euros at our carol service for Dublin Christian Mission, which actually wasn't bad since I forgot to announce it. And uh, I was surprised that there was any money at all uh, in, that, uh, in the offering at the back because nobody knew what it was for. You'll see our Christmas services there as well continue into the new year. Uh, just to highlight the watch night service, um, that's at 11 p.m. with the Korean church. The speaker this year is the Reverend Alan Mitchell, uh, previously from the Irish Mission and also from uh, Sligo, and uh, he's a friend of the Korean church, and he's uh, come to speak at that service. And then we'll have communion on the 6th of January, um, and we'll finish off James, and we're particularly looking at prayer, which is a, it's a lovely passage. Uh, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Um, and then you've got the other notices there as well. Um, and and just, I just wanted to highlight, in case you're not here on Christmas Day, uh, to wish you all a very happy Christmas and a blessed New Year uh, from all the leadership team uh, here in the church. And lastly but not least, I've been given a, a ticket to St. Patrick's Cathedral in Dublin for their Christmas Eve carol service, Nine Lessons and Carols, at uh, 4 o'clock, uh, and you need to be there at 3.30. Um, and this service is not suitable for young children. So I think this is quite a prestigious event uh, in Dublin, 
And these tickets are not easy to find. Do they admit to, George, or is it just one person? So just one person, okay? So if anybody wants to, if you're free and you would like to go, I'll put this ticket in here. You have to ask me, okay? Now, um, I'm not going to go, so I mean, I, well, I'm, I'm not able to go, so I really do want someone to come and ask. Or even if you know someone who would like to go, then do feel free just to come and ask as well. Well, we pause uh, to worship God, um, and I just want to read you a verse um, which I read this week, and it's from 1 John uh, chapter 4 and verse 9. So this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. Amazing, isn't it? So how, what is Christmas about? It's about love. And it's about life. And uh, he is the light of the world. So we're going to light our Advent uh, candles. And I've asked uh, Katie to do that for today, Katie, in case you didn't know that. Um, Well, folks, I'm going to uh, just read through this account in Luke's gospel, as you'll see, and then we'll sing. And then Ken's going to come and speak at the end of it um, about Zachariah's song. It struck me as I was preparing and thinking about the service about how much text there is really about the birth of John the Baptist, uh, which covers most of Luke chapter 1, which is a very long chapter. So I'm just going to read it like a carol service, and then we're singing a carol, and we'll interrupt that with prayers and offerings and things like that as well, as you'll see. So if you want to listen, that's great. If you want to follow it, it's on page 1025 in your Bibles. So 1025, Luke chapter 1. And what I would like to do, I'm going to say, I suppose, which is an Anglican response, you know, this is the word of the Lord, and I want you to say, thanks be to God. And that means that you've been listening and that you know that when I stop, that then it's your cue to come in. So I will say, this is the word of the Lord, and I would love you to say, thanks be to God. And we'll do that for each of the readings. So this is the birth of John the Baptist foretold, and I'll read from 5 to 17. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well on in years. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time of the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. 
Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Well, let's stand to sing our first hymn, which is Angels from the Realms of Glory. Well, let us pray together. Let's pray. Father, it's been good just to sing... um, to your son, the Lord Jesus, to remember him as a child in the manger. And uh, Father, we pray that as we just think about him at this, this time, that you will help us to have the joy uh, that often children have at Christmas time, that we will, uh, Lord, remember that this is a gift of love to us, a gift that is incredibly precious, a, cr- a gift that was real and tangible And, Father, a gift that would see us have our sins forgiven. So, Father, forgive us that we so often find Christmas burdensome, that we sometimes are just stressed by it. And I pray, Father, that in this moment, in this hour, I suppose, that we will just take time to relax and to enjoy and to contemplate the reality of who Jesus is. And, Father, we thank you that he is God that God has come to us, that he was born of a virgin, and that, Father, that he came because he loved us deeply. And, Father, it's amazing just to think that he was prepared to give himself to those who had really rebelled against him and said, we want to run our own lives, and yet you came and sought us as the wise men sought Jesus. And, Father, I pray that we will today make room in our hearts for Jesus that we will not be like those who in the first Christmas did not have room for him, but that we will open our hearts and that we will say yes to him and that, Father, that we will enjoy the relationship that we can have with him. So, Father, we adore him and we confess our sins and we welcome him in and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we continue our reading then, uh, just continuing that passage in Luke chapter 1 and verse 18. And really, we read, I suppose, of a human response that Zechariah doubts the possibility of having a child because, as the Bible says, and I think quaintly, uh, I am an old man and my wife is well on in years. Verse 18. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? 
I am an old man, and my wife is well on in years. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which came will come true at their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. This is the word of the Lord. Well, we're... Well, we're going to take a moment now to pray for others, um, and I've been specifically asked to pray for the Democratic Republic of Congo. Um, they are having elections today, um, at least they're supposed to have elections. I did check the BBC website, uh, but there was no um, update as far as I could see as to whether they were taking place or not. Uh, we have two families in the church Christian's family and Rose's family who are from the Democratic Republic of Congo and they are concerned about this country. It had a civil war from 1997 to 2003 and there were six million people killed. Uh, the ruler uh, around that time was a guy called uh, Soko, Mobutu Soko, um, and he became an incredibly wealthy man and corruption is huge. Uh, the president at the moment is a guy called Joseph Kabala, and he was elected in 2006 uh, following his father's seizing power in 1997. He was re-elected controversially in 2011, and now uh, there are new elections, and he is stepping aside, as he should have done in 2011. Congo is important to us because it is huge a country with vast resources of minerals. And one of the most coveted minerals that they have is cobalt. And we need cobalt if we're going to have electric cars going into the future because it's used in their, their batteries. But it also has nickel and gold and copper and diamonds, and it remains very corrupt. So let's take time to pray for this country. Father, we, I suppose, again are taking our hearts and our minds to the country of the Democratic Republic of Congo. And Father, we're thinking of this amazing country, a huge country in Africa, with this amazing river that winds its way through it from the coast to the east. And it is full of goodness and of resources and of people. And yet, Father, it has had such poor leadership uh, for many, many years. And Father, our hearts break because the people who come to this church, uh, Rose's family and Christian's family, who have fled 
uh, that particular situation. And Father, it is a real heartbreak for them. And Father, there's a lot of things going on that we have no control over. And Father, we simply want to pray that these elections will take place, that they will be free and that they will be fair, and that, Father, that there will be no further violence. Father, we, rec uh, we realize that there's incredible tension around from what I've been reading, and that seven people have already been killed, and that there is a lot going on that we neither see nor know. But, Father, increasingly I realize that we cannot affect the, the, the governments of countries. We ultimately cannot affect uh, the hearts of people or even our own hearts and Father, so we need your help. And I simply pray that you will hear our prayers for this country and the prayers of many people, that you will sustain your church there. And we thank you for the growth of that church. And we pray, Father, that you will be with these people as they make a decision today, God willing, for a new president. Father, we pray for the country of Brazil, and we thank you for the many Brazilians who come to us here. And yet, Father, we know that within that country as well that there is much uh, gender violence and difficulty in families. And we pray for the work uh, within Casa Noeli de Santos. And we pray, Father, that they will be well supported through the financial appeal that's gone through the Presbyterian Church in Ireland and that you will bless the work there and that those who are affected by this violence will find peace and security in an external way within the house and by the presence of Christ uh, in their hearts as well. Father, we pray for those within our congregation who have sad memories today because of recent bereavements. And Father, we pray for Ken and for Martha. And we ask, Father, that as they remember the death of Joyce and Billy, that you will be with them and with David and Jennifer and Stuart and Anthony and Paul. And that, Father, that you will comfort them. And, Father, we know that many are sick as well, and we pray particularly for our uh, sister Annie. And we really pray that you will be with her today. It has been a tough couple of weeks. And, Father, I thank you for her faith. And I continue to pray for real healing in her body. And that, Father, that you would bring her through uh, to good health and to renewed service in this church and within your kingdom. Father, we realize that we are a people who need you, and we thank you that we have access to you through Christ and all that he has done. And Father, we pray that you will hear our prayers and answer them according to your will. And Father, we want to say thank you to you that as we come to the end of a year that you have heard all of our prayers, and that, Father, that you have answered many of them in the way that we wanted. And, Father, that we want to continue to hold on to the fact that you are a loving God who hears your children's prayers. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, folks, we're going to continue reading. We skip a bit now and we move to uh, verse 39. And this is this amazing visit of uh, Elizabeth and Mary together. Um, and I suppose what really struck me, and I've preached this in the past, is, is the idea that, that Mary is vulnerable. She's a young girl. Elizabeth is vulnerable as well. And, and God, in his mercy, brings them together in seclusion. 
so that they can have their babies grow and I, I think avoid the, all the nonsense and uh, whatever else would have been going on in their communities and that uh, even just this simple act of uh, the baby leaping in Elizabeth's womb uh, and just how confirming that would have been to both of the ladies and we see God's hand in it. So Mary visits Elizabeth, verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said will be accomplished. This is the word of the Lord. And we stand again. Well, we skip another bit and we come to the birth of John the Baptist at verse 57. And uh, really, we're, well, we're just going to hear how this came about. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zachariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, There is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote his name is John. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was loosed and he began to speak praising God. The neighbors were all filled with awe and throughout the hill country of Judea people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. This is the word of the Lord. Well, we're going to worship God as we have our offering just now. Well, we're going to have uh, Katie and her brother Malcolm, in case you were wondering who that was that was beside her, uh, come and uh, sing to us. Uh, I did want to say at this time that Katie has been a real blessing to us, hasn't she, uh, over this uh, past year? And it's great to have the both of you now to further bless us this morning. So thank you.
Let us continue reading from verse 67. His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness in the, and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the desert until he appeared publicly to Israel. This is the word of God. Thank you very much, Sam, for allowing me to share you a humble snippet of one of the four songs that are related to the birth of Jesus Christ, or essentially related to the fulfilling of God's covenant, originally found in the Old Testament, God's covenant to his people. It's interesting that the passages that we read today bookend, or shall I say cradle, Mary's song that was so wonderfully uh, explained to us last Sunday by Ethan. This is a form of rhetoric that they used in those days, but I'm sure we will be able to see the symbolism in this at the end of my humble talk. Hmm. The name John. Let's talk or gossip about the Johns we know. <laughs> All of us know friends or family who are named John. In fact, we have members of our own congregation here whom we love and respect dearly, who are named John. John is the anglicized form of the Greek name Ioannes, which itself derives from the Hebrew name Yohanan, which means Yahweh or Jehovah is gracious or Yahweh has shown favor. Although we would normally give the name John to baby boys, we are also familiar with the feminine forms, Jane, Joan, Joanna, Jean. All have its etymology from the name John. For males, Jean, Johan, Jan, Giovanni, Juan, even Ivan, are localized forms of this original Hebrew name Yohanan. Here in Ireland, sometimes we are more familiar with this name through our friends Owen, Sean, or Shane. A few weeks ago, Sam, Dave, 
and many of our congregations, international cafe people, went to the evangelical Christmas carol singing event where the speaker was Canon J. John. I was really looking forward to go there myself, but unfortunately was in Korea then. But luckily, Soyoung and members of the Korean church were also able to go there. And I heard that it was a very heartwarming, stimulating experience. Reverend J. John is a Brit of Greek descent, and his original name is Ioannis Ioannon, which translates as John John, which also happens to be, for some of us who know, the nickname of the late son John Jr. of the late President John F. Kennedy. He himself is a John, as we can see. And finally, which also happens to be the name of a much-loved Shih Tzu dog owned by my mother. <laughs> One disclaimer, there is no relation to the Kennedy, Kennedys with our John John. So John, or Joan, or Sean, or Zhang, or Owen, or Johan, is a wonderful name. And now coming back to scripture, there was no particular reason for Zechariah and Elizabeth to not name their son John. Were he not to be the firstborn son? Hurtling ourselves back in time, approximately 2,000 years ago, and apologies for those of you who know this, and I am simply boring you, in the tradition in Israel, dating back even further back to the Passover times in Egypt, the firstborn boy belonged to God. Furthermore, the Jews during the time of the birth of Jesus adopted the Greek custom of naming the eldest son after his father. Imagine how personal, precious, and important naming this child was to Zechariah and Elizabeth. After all, they were living during the times when it was considered a punishment from God to be childless, and society looked down on barren women. Who amongst us would not be able to feel for Elizabeth, who says, verse 25, the Lord has taken away my disgrace? Why would anyone find a reason to discriminate against childless women? Yet, that was the case then. But despite this, despite this unjust prevailing culture at that time, throughout scripture, boys with a special vocation were born to such women of old age. All of us immediately recall Isaac, who was begotten from Sarah. Maybe not all of us remember the case of Samson, whose mother's name is not specifically given in the Bible, but of course, we all know well of Samuel, who was begotten from Hannah. In each instance, earlier childlessness marked their child as special. Special and in identical fashion. This boy John was given to Zechariah and Elizabeth for a very special purpose. Let's now have a look at the boy's father, the priest, Zechariah. Without repeating what we had already read, but just to give you more background and context, and no intention to draw any parallels with today's 
Ireland, where we have a large public sector, the religious sector, 2,000 years ago in Judea, was quite, for lack of a better word, bloated. There were 18,000 priests, all descending from the line of Aaron, living in Israel then. And because of the overflowing numbers, lots were drawn to assign priests their duties in the temple. It was a once-in-a-lifetime jackpot to be chosen to carry the incense and give the prayers for the redemption of Israel and the coming of the Messiah into the Holy of Holies. When I say jackpot, I really mean it, as there were priests who never were given the opportunity to do this. And if you were chosen, your name was then taken out of the lottery. Let us imagine that we are Zechariah now. It is a great honor, privilege, pride to take on this job assignment, and we would be, all be extremely excited and nervous. A priest being alone in the Holy of Holies itself must have been very humbling and stressful. But what do you see to the right of the altar of incense? An angel. Naturally, as in all of the cases we read in the Bible, what does this angel first say? Do not be afraid. They must have been very intimidating, or actually they were very awesome, right? But along with that, Gabriel tells John, uh, tells, excuse me, Zechariah to name the baby John, and says that, verse 17, the boy will make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Let us now stand in defense of Zechariah. His jaw has hit and completely stuck to the floor. Ringing it back up itself would have taken minutes. We know that he and Elizabeth are, according to verse 6, upright in the view of God. So they live righteous humble lives where they clearly understand their place in life, their place before God, their place in their community. It is exactly this reason that they know that their biological clock has ceased in a way that they fully understand and can predict normal events that Zechariah has made dumbfounded after he talks back to the angel. And as we know, he cannot regain speech until he explicitly follows the prescription given by the angel, proclaiming that the boy's name is John, verse 63, despite all of the noisy chatter going on amongst others. I confess that similar events have happened in my life. Although I've never had the misfortune of losing my voice or were unable to communicate with others, or we had a child like John the Baptist, although I believe that Chan will in the future be able to do her fair share that the Lord asks her to do. No pressure there. In my case, there were times when I first had assessed this situation fully, knew my place in the equation or in the game, and went ahead and acting based upon my own judgment and in my own timing. 
whereas I really should have waited for the Lord's own hand and the Lord's own timing. Conversely, there have been times when I really couldn't make any decision at all, despite all the signals telling me that an imminent and immediate action needed to be taken. Nevertheless, I thought I needed more prayer and I had to wait. And miraculously, God was guiding others to unravel the problem in a positive direction, making my portion of the job quite orderly and harmonious with all of my colleagues. Sometimes, sometimes, we need to give our Lord the opportunity to solve problems in his time, change the minds of others, or give us the boldness and confidence to bulldoze ahead if needed. And until that day, until that opportune divine time comes, we need to be like Zechariah. Speak less and let the Holy Spirit move everybody in concert. When this does happen, and in our case it is happening to Zechariah, when he is filled with the Holy Spirit, verse 67, a powerful song results from his lips. We conventionally call this song as the Benedictus, uh, because the very first phrase, praise be, very first phrase, praise be, in Latin is benedictus. If possible, please uh, read along with your eyes with me from verse 68. We can quickly sense that Zechariah is invoking God's covenant with Abraham. It's worth noting that the period between the times of the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, to the time of the Gospels, was a long, confusing, exasperating 400 plus years for the Jews. Many were wondering why they were experiencing this divine silence. And these people were the devout, patient ones. And some had completely lost hope about the redemption of their nation and the promise of the Messiah. So just as when Zechariah abruptly began to speak and everybody around him was able to understand God's plan unfolds within a very short period of time. To be exact, it starts with two overlapping pregnancies of two babies. I think we can all immediately guess why the Lord needed somebody to prepare the way for the Messiah. Because everything is happening so fast. The people of Judea, or even the potential disciples of Jesus, would not have been able to recognize the coming of the Messiah. In the end, they didn't, as we know. And indeed, what does John the Baptist do in the wilderness? He implores everyone to repent and baptize all who came with water, which of course symbolized spiritual cleansing. Just to give some more context and background, at that time, the Jews traditionally did not baptized themselves, but they baptized non-Jews who wanted to join their community. But what about John? He performs a revolutionary procedure. He tells the Jews that they also need God's forgiveness, and as a result, John baptizes young and old, rich and poor, educated or not, Jew or Gentile, prince or pauper, Indeed, we know that against John's will, but at the request of Jesus, 
John even baptizes Jesus. Baptizing all people with water first to prepare them to be baptized with, according to Luke chapter 3, the Holy Spirit and with fire. In other words, John was there not only for the modern day 1%, but for all. And we, when we say all, we mean all. Because we recall that John even spoke to the soldiers, the Romans, and told them not to extort money and to not accuse people falsely. And now, how did his dad presently sing of this at John's birth? The baby would, verse 77, thank you. That was my alarm. <laughs> This is good, good to have a family once in a while. <laughs> and how does his dad patiently sing of John at his birth? His people, by the remission, uh, the, the baby would, in verse 77, give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins. And verse 78 to 80, through the tender mercy of our God, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Spot on to what John did later. Wouldn't you agree? And how did Zechariah pray for his own child? The very verse above the ones we just read, verse 76 and you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord and prepare his ways. Exactly what happened approximately 30 years later. And Matthew chapter 11 says that Jesus lovingly recognizes John as among those born of women. There has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. So without doubt, John's prophecy, excuse me, Zechariah's prophecy would likely evoke different thoughts or reactions from us. But I would like to admit and confess that Zechariah's song is, in essence, every disciple's song, encouraging us Christians to be more like John the Baptist. He was a person who lived humbly. He lived within his means. He had very modest means. He bravely and boldly spoke truth to power, brought unbelievers from all backgrounds nearer to God, and made them realize that we can all be cleansed and renewed in the Holy Spirit. With your permission, I'd like to end with another somewhat unnecessary, random, trivial piece of information that has to do with the name of John. Well, actually, this time, St. John. As you know, uh, Trinity College Dublin is in a sister relationship with St. John's College, Cambridge. Uh, St. John's College, Cambridge is one of the most wealthiest colleges in, uh, in, at the University of Cambridge. It is named after St. John the Evangelist. And uh, currently, uh, something to do close to my heart, the current master is uh, Sir Christopher Dobson, who was my research supervisor when I was at Oxford. Uh, but no more about Cambridge. Let's talk about Oxford. 
there is a St. John's College at the University of Oxford. This St. John's is named after John the Baptist. This is the wealthiest college of all the 30 or so colleges in Oxford. Despite its wealth, or maybe because it's of its wealth, it does pretty well in all fields. Uh, and there is an index that they have every year. It's called the Norrington Table, where they uh, see the marks of the matriculated students and give rankings. And St. John's is consistently nearly always at the top. In 2018, I just looked up. It is number one this year. The interesting thing, St. John's College, when it initially interviews students, is the college that accepts the most greatest proportion of state school students and not private school. Or of course, in England, they would say public school students. So they would prefer national schools here in Ireland than Alexandra or Wesley or St. Andrews college students. Uh, another index that they have is, uh, this is the index of socioeconomic privilege and uh, they call this the ACORN index. So St. John's is known to have the highest number of ACORN 4 or ACORN 5 students. So despite this, what St. John's has done at Oxford is they take in the most difficult, underprivileged people, but they make them into excellent people who shines and gives benefit to all later. This is what we hope that all Christians, we can do as well. Let us pray. Dear Lord, truly through the missionary works of John the Baptist and those who have followed him, including those who are in this congregation, we thank you for this opportunity. And we are aware that the Lord is gracious, the very name of what John means. Lord is gracious to us all. Let us remember your son's birth this Christmas time. And we try to emulate Jesus and John the Baptist. We pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Please be seated. Well, I want to say a big thank you to Ken uh, for his uh, excellent uh, preaching and for his delivery of that uh, sermon. And uh, I want to also uh, sort of uh, notice and pay tribute to my son who's here today. Um, and I was, I was looking at Andrew there. I was trying to figure out where was he, and he's now in the sound desk there. But it's Andrew's birthday today. So we thought we might sing happy birthday. But is there anybody else who has a birthday over the next couple of days? Yes, we miss you out. Katie has a birthday. When's your birthday, Katie? Tomorrow. Okay, very good. I didn't know that. 